Coming up on the Keto Camp podcast, we have medical doctor, Stanford lecturer, Dr. Molly Maloof. Fasting is a great way to actually give your body the ability to do a cellular housekeeping called autophagy. And so this is basically like you're you're in a beautiful kitchen, but it's covered in like dirty dishes and garbage in the garbage cans. And you just can't really work in that kitchen to make a nice meal because there's just stuff everywhere. So what's nice about autophagy is that it basically, it cleans out the kitchen for you. It cleans out the garbage, it cleans all the dishes, throws out all the stuff that's um, lying around. And now you have this like great condition for creating something really beautiful. I'm a certified functional health practitioner who's on a mission to educate 1 billion people. I've been obese for most of my life. From rock bottom to the top of the mountain, I am passionate about studying ancient healing strategies like fasting and the ketogenic diet and curating this information on the Keto Camp podcast. My goal is to bring you the thought leaders in this space. My name is Ben Azadi, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Campers. I hope you're doing fantastic today. Sending you much love and light wherever you are in the world. We live during these unique times of the quarantine and the coronavirus. So thank you for choosing this podcast, a positive message during such negative times when you turn on the news and turn on your social media. I'm excited to bring Dr. Molly Maloof to you. This is her first time on the Keto Camp Podcast, and boy, did we have a fun discussion. During this interview, we talk about the role the mitochondria plays with health span, life span, and energy and fat loss. We talk about exercise and its relationship to this adaptation, this hormesis, and which specific exercises that Dr. Molly believes are the best to accomplish this. We talk about why fasting is a great way to create this metabolic stress where good cells get stronger and bad cells do not adapt. Dr. Molly gets into the cellular house cleaning process, aka autophagy, and she actually shares a brilliant analogy about autophagy that you gotta hear. Dr. Molly talks about hypoxia training and the benefits of it. Her favorite ways give you a sneak peek, free diving and breath work. She also gives additional tips for creating more of these mitochondria power plants within our cells. And we talk about the process, this unique process called xenohormesis. You might have heard of it before, maybe not, but she'll break down what exactly it means and how to accomplish this. I also asked Dr. Molly, what is the most surprising research she has seen on fasting? She's gonna share a very interesting study. And then she gets into ways to activate this brown fat, this mitochondrial dense fat that burns more calories than white fat. This is a fantastic conversation. The majority of it is deep diving into fasting, into mitochondrial health. So if that is something you are interested in, you're gonna fall in love with this interview with Dr. Molly Malou. Please take a screenshot right now of this episode and post it on Instagram. Shoot me a tag and shoot Dr. Molly a tag. When I see it, I'll share it on my stories. My Instagram handle is at the Benazadi. 
and Dr. Molly's is drmolly.co. Be sure to check out the notes of this podcast so you can see Dr. Molly's website, her Instagram, her social media. Go follow her work. It is fantastic. Before I bring her on the show, I want to thank you so much for choosing this podcast out of all the podcasts out there. Thank you. Please leave the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to. Really, it really helps the show get into more hands and makes a big difference. So please do so and text this show to a friend who is fasting and you know they can get so much benefit from listening to this podcast. I want to share with you real quick the show sponsor, which is Purity Coffee. Purity Coffee is the highest antioxidant coffee beans I have found. They have tested versus 46 leading brands and have won over each of them on quality and taste. I don't know if you knew this, but coffee is the number one sprayed crop in the world, loaded with pesticides, herbicides, and even mold. This can create leaky gut. This can create inflammation. So we want to make sure our coffee lives up to our high quality standards of health. You could get Purity Coffee for 10% off and free shipping because you are a listener of the Keto Camp Podcast. Head over to puritycoffee.com and use the coupon code KK10 to get 10% off and free shipping. Again, that is puritycoffee.com. Use coupon code KK10. If you'd like health coaching on keto, on fasting, and would like to be a part of an amazing community, I'm referring to the Keto Camp Academy. I have an online program where you can join from anywhere in the world and you'll receive A to Z, keto, fasting, sleep, performance, everything when it comes to health. 150 plus videos that you cannot find anywhere else. And you are part of this amazing community. You will receive two monthly health coaching calls with me. We're starting to do weekly online workouts via Zoom. Since everybody's at home, I customize a workout and we all work out together. It's an amazing community. There's experts, New York Times bestselling authors, legends in the health space that do exclusive trainings for the Keto Camp Academy members. And this is all for about a buck a day. If you want access to the Keto Camp Academy, you can do so right now for a free seven-day trial. Head to ketocampacademy.com to learn more and get access for a free seven-day trial. That is ketocampacademy.com. Let's get into this interview with Dr. Molly Malouf. Dr. Molly's mission is to radically extend health span and maximize human potential by promoting personal health technologies and wellness lifestyles that create optimal health and flourishing. Dr. Molly values health, curiosity, autonomy, family, and community. Inspiration, transhumanism, truth-seeking, and design. Dr. Molly is a physician, technologist, entrepreneur here to help guide the world towards a path of optimal health. Dr. Molly, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. Hi, how's it going? It's going wonderful. I'm here in beautiful Miami, Florida. What about you? I'm in beautiful Maui. Ooh, that's really nice. So I'm a fan of your work. I love what you're doing. You're getting the message out there in volume. Big waves that you're making. And I'd love to get into your story. How did you get involved with what you're doing now? Share your story with my community. Sure. Um, so it's so funny. Um, I have always loved um, medicine and health. I've always wanted to be a doctor since I was a young child. 
And so I spent my entire life becoming a physician and got to this dream job I thought I was finally going to have and realized it was a nightmare and that the healthcare system was causing a lot of harm to people and, you know, was, was also helping a lot of people, but um, at a cost. So really there was this desire to figure out, well, what is health really? And like, what fundamentally is a healthy person? You know, how do you actually define that? Because it's, it seems like we just assume that health is the absence of disease. But actually, I have found that that's not really the right answer. What, what, what health is, is the ability to adapt and self-manage in the face of adversity. And life is going to hit you with all sorts of challenges. And how you respond to those challenges and whether you break down or whether you um, thrive and survive these challenges really determines your level of health. So what I realized is that there's just quite a lot of people out in the world that are kind of waiting for disease to happen and they don't even know it. And the problem is, is that um, people don't really care about their health in some, in some cases um, until something really goes wrong. But fortunately, what's really exciting about, you know, the millennial generation and Gen Z is I think we're all kind of waking up to this reality that our parents and our grandparents have these chronic diseases that we don't want to get. And so when I decided I wanted to build a personal brand around, you know, what really true health is about, I immediately thought to myself, I think my audience is young people because um, these are the people who are the most responsive to this information and, and will actually change their lives and change their health. And so I think, um, so basically like I, you know, I, I got, I, I, I kind of built this career around, um, around really measuring and modifying health and I built a practice around it, um, started working with executives, investors and entrepreneurs in San Francisco and Silicon Valley. And that gave me a level of credibility that I needed to be able to pursue things that were kind of like, you know, weren't standard of, standard of care medicine. Um, and it gave me the, the money to actually do all sorts of experiments and, and basically run my practice as a lab with people who are willing to do their own self-experimentation because they, they wanted someone to guide them through it. And so I kind of fell into the biohacker category because you know, like that's kind of what I was doing is I was figuring out how my body worked. I was figuring out how theirs, their bodies worked. We were doing experiments. We were trying different um, interventions and we were just really seeing what worked for them. And, um, and now if you look at biohacking, it's just like this giant trend and in investment. So one of the things that I've been really lucky to, to say about my career is that I've, I've been ahead of the curve on a lot of things. Um, I knew that tech was going to change medicine and healthcare. And I decided to go for it way, way earlier than a lot of doctors. Um, and now I have doctors contacting me every week, asking me, how do I start getting involved with tech companies? And how do I work in tech? And how do I build technology? And um, so, you know, that's, um, that's been cool. And now I'm in this new space where, like, I'm really ready to, to go out and um, keep promoting my idea and my theory of health based on um, energy in the body and mitochondrial function. and you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a place where I'm ready to go and take my knowledge that I've accumulated over the years and really put it out into the world. Um, I started teaching at Stanford last year and that gave me a lot of confidence in my teaching capacity. And so now it's about um, how do I share all my knowledge with everybody and really like um, bring this new paradigm to the forefront. And so I'm going to be writing a book this year. I'm going to be building an online course as based on my Stanford course. 
and I'm going to be pushing out a lot more video content on YouTube because um, it seems like that's where a lot of eyeballs are going. And I'll be like playing with different platforms like LinkedIn and TikTok and really experimenting with different media because I think that's where a lot of people's eyeballs are at. And that's where a lot of people are getting their health content. So that's where I'm at now. I still have a practice. I still see patients, but I have, um, you know, I have a, a pretty motivating um, desire to be of service to the world now. And that's, that's where I'm taking my career. I love it, Molly. That's, uh, it resonates with me so much. And you started to think outside the, the conventional box because you're right. There's a lot of uh, what I call accumulated disasters where we make these daily decisions, but we don't really see the consequences until we get diagnosed with something. And yeah. we, don't, we, don't want, we don't want to fall into that category. We want to be proactive and not reactive. So that's what you teach people to do. And I love it. That's why I'm grateful to, to share with you. And I could, help you, I, I could also help you with the YouTube game, by the way, because I, I, I agree with you. All those platforms, heck yeah, I get your information out there. I can't wait to hear more about your book. But YouTube, I think, is the biggest platform of them all. Uh, we launched our Keto Camp YouTube channel December of last year, so about 13 months. And we, already, we just hit 70,000 subscribers in 13 wow. months, which is really wow. unheard of. So I could definitely wow. uh, share some some YouTube tactics. I would with love you. that. Yeah, I would uh, love that. It's so absolutely. great to be acquainted with you and have this as a resource. Yeah, absolutely. Because I love your work and I got so much from you. So whatever I can do to. Oh, super thanks. Yes. So let's go back to what you said. You said the mitochondria. You said cellular health yeah. is where it's at. If you if you want to get well, you got you got to fix the cell. So what are some strategies that you implement? to stress the mitochondria, to create this um, adaptation where the mitochondria mm -hmm. gets stronger and they, sure. they thrive. Yeah, this is basically what you're talking about is hormesis. Yes. And there's a bunch of different ways to induce hormesis, right? And the most basic way is exercise, right? Um, a lot of people don't realize that exercise is actually a hormetic stressor that enables you to adapt to greater demands. So every time you, you actually exercise, you send the signals to your body that it needs to create more capacity for you to handle more of that tomorrow. So your body is always trying to anticipate the future and prepare you for it, which is kind of an amazing thought if you really think about it. It's like, wow, my body's actually trying to always keep me alive and protect me. Like that's an incredible thing to think about. So um, the adapt adaptive capacity model basically teaches us that if we stress our body through exercise, our body will respond by producing more mitochondria. And, more, and this is specifically done through things like high-intensity interval training and weightlifting. These are particularly good stimulus for, um, stimuli for uh, mitochondrial um, growth. And the other thing is fasting. And you know, a lot of people resist fasting, and I don't blame them. I go through phases where I fast more or fast less. But... Um, Fasting is a great way to actually give your body the ability to do a cellular housekeeping called autophagy. And so this is basically like you're, you're in a beautiful kitchen, but it's covered in like dirty dishes and garbage in the garbage cans. And you just can't really work in that kitchen to make a nice meal because there's just stuff everywhere. So what's nice about autophagy is that it basically, it cleans out the kitchen for you. It cleans out the garbage, it cleans all the dishes, throws out all the stuff that's um, lying around. And now you have this like great condition for creating something really beautiful. So fasting is another example. Um, some other ones that I'm really a big fan of are hypoxia training. So anyone who's ever done any form of um, like breath work um, or even like free diving, or in my case, I, I've been 
really enjoying going snorkeling without the snorkel where I just hold my breath and I dive. And just just inducing a, a mild amount of hypoxia can actually stimulate the body to create more mitochondria. Um, a great, another great example would be hot and cold stress. So, you know, I'm a big fan of sauna and cold plunge. I, I don't know about you, but it's like one of my favorite things to do is to go to a spa and just get really, really hot in the sauna and then just get really, really cold and do the um, sort of rotate those. Um, and then probably one of the more interesting things that most people don't think about is the this thing called xenohormesis. And, and it's basically X-E-N-O-H-O-R-M-I-S. And it's basically the ability for the body to respond to certain plant chemicals as mild stressors that actually induce pathways of detoxification and cellular regeneration. So um, xenohormesis is something pretty cool that a lot of people don't think about. But it's what it, it's, I, I try to eat um, foraged and wild foods occasionally. So like at the farmer's market here in Maui, they have wild fiddlehead ferns. And like wild plants have so much um, nutrient density, but they also tend to have these xenohermetic compounds that can actually induce your body's ability to take better care of itself. So these are probably my favorite sources of, of hormesis. I love it. Yeah. Hormesis is, uh, it's an amazing process that what you said, the body want, is looking out for us. The body wants, all, of, all, all it wants to do is survive. And that's a perfect example of what happens when we mm-hmm. stress it. The good cells that we have, they get stronger and the bad mm-hmm. cells, they don't really adapt well. And your analogy for the um, cleaning out the kitchen with the autophagy, I love that analogy. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go back to fasting. You've done yeah. a lot of experiments. You've, you said you get sometimes paid to do these amazing experiments. What are some of the, the most surprising things you've encountered with your research and experimentation with, uh, with fasting? Sure. Okay. So I really wouldn't recommend this to everybody, by the way, especially not all women because it's pretty intense. But uh, last year, I read this paper about mice that had basically been um, provided there's two groups of mice and one group of the mice was just able to eat whatever they wanted. And the second group, the second mouse group was able to, they were basically forced to fast every other day and they could eat whatever they wanted on days where they weren't fasting, but they definitely were fasting for half of the time. And what was so interesting was that, um, the mice, the, the mice actually, if they counted all the calories, both groups actually consumed the same amount of calories, but the group that was fasting every other day, dramatically improved their metabolism and their brown fat production in particular. So their body literally started browning their white fat, which means their, their, their fat grew more mitochondria to burn it as fuel. And so their metabolic rate went up and their BMI went down and they had the same amount of calories, remember? So this, this one study blew me away because I was like, well, if this is the case, then basically that means that you know, this, this, this idea of calories in, calories out is, is crap. And I kind of had this inclination that it was crap, but it's right. definitely real. I mean, I know I, I've always known, I kind of knew, knew, knew this, but it wasn't until I actually tested it that I really, really got it. And so I actually ran this experiment on myself. And for a month, um, I did every other day fasting. And on days when I wasn't fasting, I ate whatever I wanted. And in days when I was fasting, I didn't eat anything. And um, I lost like a bunch of body fat and, you know, definitely lost some weight, but I also, um, felt like my metabolism actually improved. 
And I really aged in reverse pretty quickly. It was really amazing how much my, my, my body just completely changed. The only downside was that I lost like, I lost a little too much fat in my butt. And so I, lo- I like, like, like basically burned all my fat in my, in my, in my buttocks. So that's, and some girls like having a bigger butt. I, I think it's more attractive to have some, some meat on your bones. So I wouldn't recommend that everyone go out and do this, but um, you know, it is something that a lot of people are doing now is, is different types of fasting experiments. And so like even intermittent fasting has been shown to improve markers of uh, metabolic syndrome in clinical studies by this guy, Sachinanda Panda, who's a really great researcher in Southern California. And, you know, so even just starting with 14 hours, in tw- even 12 hours, if you don't even do 12, just start there and move your way up and gradually adapt to higher demands. And then before you know it, you'll find that you have, um, you have this like ability to withstand stress more effectively. Like once you're able to go without food for a day and fast, you're, you kind of feel like you have this superpower. You're like, wow, like I could literally, like I can go three days without food and, I, and nothing bad will happen. And I might get a little bit cranky by day three, but like <laughs> the fact that you can do this and the fact that you can train your body to handle this kind of demand is actually an amazing superpower to have. And so I think it's pretty, it's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I, I love fat. It's my favorite tool in the toolbox, if done right, of course. Fasting is, right. uh, it's really cool. And we're designed for feast, famine cycle. So that's what it's going back and Exactly. Back to. So you said you did one day eating whatever you want. So you had breakfast, lunch, and dinner on those days? Um, yeah, on those days I ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I was in Japan, living in Japan. So I was eating like making miso soups with all sorts of vegetables and, and like eggs and tofu and um and like i would eat like nuts and seeds and i was eating sushi and i was eating like um whatever looked good at the store i would make these big plates of food um and you know it was really fun actually but the reality is is that like i do think that there is a slight downside to doing too many um long-term fasts and that is you got to be really careful with your microbiome because you can actually deplete your microbiome, your microbiome through fasting. It will, they, they, if it's not being fed, they're not going to live. So I do see that people who do too much every other day fasting or like extended fasting, you see them develop like depression in some cases. Mm. And I do think that there's a big relationship between, um, you know, the microbiome and, and the mood. And so we you can't ignore that. And so you actually, one of the things that I'm trying to think about as I'm redesigning, um, like I, I'd like to be able to do fasts without having like, you know, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but you can get loose stool after like a three day fast because you basically killed off your microbiome and then you reintroduce food and then it goes right through you. So I think that, there, that, that there's got to be an in-between way to handle this. And I think, I think the answer is probably going to be feeding the microbiome with, a, with adequate fiber during the fast. And like fiber usually doesn't have any calories. Maybe it has a few calories, but like I think there's got to be a way to fast without um, kind of like a fasting mimicking diet, my Prolon, which I just did. Um, I just did a little TV segment on that. But there's, we've got to start thinking about ways to maintain optimal health and maintain optimal nutrient status while we experiment with nutrient deprivation. Hey, Keto Camper, I want to interrupt this episode real quick and let you know about a product I've been using to reduce inflammation and to get better sleep. When it comes to the CBD space, it is like the wild, wild west. And the company I've discovered is Dr. Phillips Formulations. It is pure, safe, potent, and yes, it's formulated by a doctor. They bring over 20 years of medical experience to their CBD oil. 
they have a proprietary formulation which combines pure, high-quality ingredients with the knowledge of a board-certified physician. They have tinctures that are internationally certified for non-GMO. And here's what they also have, keto CBD fruit chews. Yes, they are keto-friendly, they taste delicious, and they're a great way to reduce inflammation in the body. The third thing that I use from them is the topical cream. There's very few, if any, CBD products on the market that can compare to this. I use the topical cream when I have some soreness, maybe in my lower back. I put this cream and the next morning the pain is gone. We have worked out a deal for Keto Campers to get 15% off your order by heading over to drphillipscbd.com slash ketocamp. Dr. Phillips CBD is spelled D-R-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S-C-B-D.com slash ketocamp. Remember, that's camp with a K. Let's get back to this episode. Yeah, so I can share I, something with you, Molly. Yeah. Uh, sorry to cut you off. Um, no. So, so last nice. year, in 2019, every 90 days or so, I took a group of about 40 people who yeah. were, most of them were sugar burners, never really practiced fasting. They were not keto adapted. And I took them through a seven-week program. So it was oh, yeah. about 40 people. And I've done four of these. And by week six, every single person in the group completed a five-day fast. And it would be a variation of either water, partial, prolon, or bro- bone broth, whatever they felt comfortable with. Most people yeah. chose water because you would get the most autophagy. And mm-hmm. we were the goal was to, to achieve that maximum autophagy of one-to-one, which Dr. Thomas Seafree talks about, where yeah. your body's really just healing. Um, so I explained to all of them what you just said. Look, when you go through a fast, your body's going to starve down all bacteria, good and bad. So how you break the fast is almost as important as the fast itself because you could get a lot of symptoms if you do it the wrong way. So I yeah. taught them exactly what to do. They don't eat animal protein the first two days breaking the fast. They have a little bit of some kimchi and sauerkraut, but not too much. Mm-hmm. They have some steamed veggies and eggs. And then by day three, they go back to their normal eating. And something else I incorporated was a couple of supplements that help remove toxins from the body. I also think that's why people yeah. get loose stools as well. As yeah, well. So like they took, Yeah, exactly. There's a supplement called Bind that has that with um, activated charcoal to take at night yep. and some cyto detox, which flushes, flushes up the toxins. And I, and I noticed most of them didn't really get that symptoms, uh, any symptoms if they followed that structure. So I wanted to share that with you in case you wanted Did to. Did you give them that supplement app as they were reintroducing food? I gave it to them during the fast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was during the fast to get rid of the toxins and also molecular hydrogen uh, tablets as well. Cool. So it was, it was a cool experiment. And you're so right. I love that you shared that because, yeah, if you do too much and you, and you break it the wrong way, you'll, you'll see the things that you don't want to see. And, you, and I, that's interesting what you shared about depression. I didn't think about that. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about uh, Dr. Sachin Panda. Uh, he talks mm-hmm. about our organs having a circadian clock, a, a rhythm there, and how it's really detrimental for us to, to eat late at night. Do you, do you feel the same way about that? Well... I mean, having, <laughs> I, te- I tend to tell patients not to eat late at night because you're not as insulin sensitive, but I recently experimented with this myself and I had like a slightly emotional eating episode a few days ago, which by the way, I think we all need to start like being really nice to ourselves about the fact that almost everybody does emotional eating and we all need to kind of like approach this collectively, like realizing this is like a natural, this is like a natural way for the body to want to cope with things. It's not the right answer per se, because we have way too much obesity. 
But emotional eating happens to everybody. So anyway, a few nights ago, I'm like kind of sad about something. I had a really intense week. My friend's car was broken into and a bunch of my stuff was stolen in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was kind of doing a little bit of emotional eating. And I remember um, going to bed one night and it was like 9 p.m. And like I had just eaten something. And I can't remember the last time I, I've eaten that late because I just never eat that late. But this is a particularly stressful week, right? There was travel. There was a, there was a theft. I had to go to the police station. It was like a whole thing. So I was like, okay, Molly, like you, you want to do this? Like I knew I was emotional eating and I knew it was happening at a time I didn't, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have been eating, but I was like actually pretty compassionate with myself about it. Cause I was like, I know what's happening. I see this is happening, but I wish this weren't happening, but this is happening. So I'm just going to go with it. And oh my God, I slept so poorly that night when it wasn't just the stress. It was literally my, my stomach felt so upset by just having food in it from like going to sleep with food in my stomach. Like I couldn't remember the last time I felt that way. And I was just kind of like, wow, like this is actually really uncomfortable. So not only is it bad for insulin sensitivity to eat late, but it's also just bad for digestion. Like it's not the right time for you to be eating. You should be eating during the day when you're using your energy, not at, not late at night. But you know, the key is, is recognizing your habits. A lot of people have really deep, unresolved emotional stress that is driving night eating and driving insulin resistance and causing night eating. And so, I mean, like a lot of people just don't realize that their behaviors are, are being driven by their subconscious. And, and, and it's really when you bring these, these things to light that you can start really harnessing the understanding of like what, what's really going on in your body. But yeah, I think a lot of people eat late at night out of habit. I think a lot of people eat late at night out of boredom. Um, and I think a lot of people eat late at night out of, out of like emotions and feeling emotional about, um, about their lives. And so, you know, the real answer to all of this is just to recognize like, it is not ideal. It is not a habit you should have. It is a habit that can be broken, but it takes discipline and it takes um, like, you know, I had a rough week. There's been some emotional eating this week and you know what? Like, it's time to get back on the, on the saddle. That's what health is about. It's about you get hit with a stressful, stressful experience, you adapt, you self-manage, and you recover. And part of that recovery is not letting all of your positive health habits go to waste. So tomorrow, I'm actually doing a 24-hour fast. And I'm really excited about it because I'm going to go sit by the pool and I'm just going to enjoy the day and I'm going to have some light exercise. But like, it's... um it's really going to be nice to actually clean out some of the damage that I did this week, you know, which wasn't very much actually, I actually lost some weight this week, but it was, um, it was surprising how, um, how quickly actually I bounced back from, from the, from the stress. And yet, you know, like, I don't feel like I did a bunch of damage to my body in the process, which is cool. Yeah. I love that important message that it's never really about that setback it's minor and uh it's always about to get back and just go back to your it's old habits get back. It's oh the... it's not the setback it's the get back that's so good <laughs> it's it's so true too, i'm taking that i'm taking take it that. use it because i'm going <laughs> to use your uh autophagy analogy as well oh anytime uh, i'll, I'll yeah. give you credit by the way um yeah yeah i say all the time because i have i have um, a program called my keto camp academy and there's 150 plus members in there and a lot of them they post about oh my god i had this weekend i feel so bad about it. i feel so miserable and it's just okay forget about it. learn from it maybe and just get right back on track because it's not really yes. about that that setback it's about the get back so i love that you shared that now oh, 
That's Maldi. so good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it is good. I agree. I love it. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you, should women fast differently than men? Uh, yeah, I think we should be cognizant of when maybe is the best time to fast and when is not. So I have been so fortunate to be finally reading like books that are based that are really designed for women and women's health that are, that are really outlining the hormonal shifts of the body that um, are different than men's. And so there's a, there's a reason why most clinical research is not done on women. It's because women's bodies change throughout the month and those changes are real. And interestingly, the first half of the month, you're actually better at digesting carbs. And the second half of the month, you're actually better at digesting fats. And so, you know, a lot for a lot of women, um, following, like, if you think about it, it's the beginning of the month, you're great at digesting carbs and you're, and you're also pretty insulin sensitive. One of the best things you can do is exercise a lot more because you can tolerate more carbs when you exercise more. So I get heavier workouts in the first half of my month. And then the second half of the month, it's a little bit more, um, I'm a little bit more gentle on my body, but the menstrual cycle is actually a perfect time for fasting. Um, because you're kind of past the premenstrual part of your cycle, right? The premenstrual period is like, you're super, you've got cravings, you've got, you know, a little bit of irritability in some cases, but during the menstruation, you're actually in the shedding phase, right? So it makes sense to combine the shedding phase of your, of your body with fasting. So if you, if you were to want to do more, um, you know, more involved fasting, I would recommend doing it, you know, within the menstrual cycle. Because you're already getting that, you're, you're already not going to be moving as much. Your body tends to not want to do as hard exercise on your period. And so you can kind of take advantage of that time to go inward because your mind also kind of wants to go inward and not do as much outward facing activity. So it's kind of the perfect time to, to be fasting. Um, that being said, like when it comes to just regular intermittent fasting, a lot of it has to do with your body fat percentage. And a lot of it has to do with your um, ability to manage your hunger levels and manage your emotions. And, you know, it's really important for women who have a history of eating disorders to be cognizant of how fasting might be a stimulus for eat disordered eating. So you got to be really careful with the female body. Um, if you're too low of body fat and you fast too much, you can actually disrupt your hormones. But if you have things like polycystic ovarian disorder or, um, or like, you know, access, basically insulin resistance, fasting can actually be a great tool for helping you become more fertile. But it all depends on what your baseline is. If your stress levels are extremely high, which by the way, mine were about three months into summer last year, I actually had a really hard time fasting because my body was so stressed out. And if you have um, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal dysfunction, which means that you're, you know, you're, HPA axis is being thrown off by chronic stress, your job is actually not to fast a lot. Your job is to actually recover from stress because you're going to be insulin resistant and you're not going to be having a healthy metabolism in that state anyway. So your job is to actually figure out how to turn off that stress response and really get back into a place of rest and recovery. So it's all about titrating fasting as a stressor with the amount of stress you have in your life with what your baseline hormones look like and where you are in your cycle, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make total sense. So much alignment here. What I, the way I teach it is the five to seven days before the monthly period, 
I recommend actually flexing out of keto and, ha- and not fasting as, as much to get that insulin spike to help with progesterone and estrogen, which are low those days. So, and then once the cycle hits, you go right back into fasting and keto. So it's mm. exactly what you just shared. And uh, I love how you just said there's so many considerations there. Your body fat, do you have PCOS? So it's not, there's no really a cookie cutter approach to this. And that's why it's important to not just do what somebody else is doing, but do what's best for your body. So great, great advice there, Molly. And I know that you also have experimented with um, a a CGM uh, machine. Do you still have that, a continuous glucose monitor? I do. I actually wear them pretty regularly. So that's that's really cool. What are some what are some of the um, trends you see with it? Like I, I want to know this. Have you noticed like when you were stressed out and not eating food, you see your glucose spike up? Oh my god, yeah, totally. M- many times, many many times did I see my body um, raise blood sugar when I was trying to fast and I hadn't been eating anything, and I was watching my blood sugar go up, and I was like, okay, this is definitely not the day for fasting, because you should see your blood sugar go down as you fast instead of go up. Yep. So if it's going up when you're fasting, that means you're stressed out <laughs> and you need to do something more gentle like prolon. And that's why I like the fact that there's options out there for people because you got to really meet your body where it's at and create the conditions for success. And fasting is a stressor. So if you have a stress cup and you're filling it with stressors, you got to realize it's going to overflow at some point. And so you got to really look at fasting as like a, a tool for making you stronger against stress, but not causing you more stress. Because it does that for people and it can cause damage for, for people. Great share. I agree with that. So what about hunger? Uh, f- hunger during fasting. We got the, whole, the hormone ghrelin making some noise. W- what, do you, mm-hmm. uh, what are some tips for hunger? Well, the first thing is, is that people don't really understand hunger. They, they think that hunger is just like this thing that happens and, and yet hunger is a really complex, fascinating thing. So the thing about hunger is that you are constantly being sent messages from your environment to eat, right? Every time you see a picture of food, a commercial, you walk into a kitchen, you smell food, you see food literally in front of you, you actually have this thing called hedonic hunger. So it's like the hunger from the sensory experience around you that makes you want to eat. It's not necessarily that you may not even be hungry but you just see food and you're like, I want to eat something, right? So that's like, that's a form of hunger, right? And then there's actual hunger from really being hungry. And that's when, you know, your blood sugar levels go down, your um, stress hormones go up, your body's like, okay, give me some, give me some food now. It's been, you know, it's been a while um, since I've eaten. And what's interesting is that ghrelin will actually spike about three times a day usually around the time you're supposed to eat. So there's also the sort of hunger that comes from just the natural adaptation to food um, expectation. So your body kind of gets hungry in anticipation of what it's used to getting. And if you change your um, meal timing schedule, your hunger and ghrelin curves can also change. Um, and then there's also hunger that comes from, you know, disordered metabolism. So if you eat refined carbohydrates and sugar, and then you, um, and then you get really hungry. You um, basically have had a blood sugar spike in insulin output, and then the insulin takes the blood sugar, lowers it to uh, levels that are below threshold, right? So like hypoglycemic levels. This is really common to people who eat too many sugars and too many 
pies and pastries and sodas and fries and refined carbs is that they get these spikes and these, these drops. And when that drops and your insulin goes down, that can actually stimulate hunger as well. So low blood sugar can stimulate hunger and it can be pushed low by eating the wrong food. So you could have just eaten something and yet you're hungry an hour later. And I was talking to this guy who was like, yeah, I'm having pasta tonight. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to be so hungry when I wake up. And I'm like, yeah, of course, because you're going to lower your blood sugar pretty quickly soon. And then you're going to wake up and be like, holy shit, where do I get more food? Um, And then there's like, um, and so there's a bunch of different forms of hunger. There's hunger that comes from, you know, drinking heavily the night before. And, you know, your liver has had to do all this work overnight. And, you know, there's this like weird sense of hunger the next day where you're just like ravenously hungry. And that's not your normal hunger, right? That's a response. So um, the thing about it is that if you are doing extended fasts, you know, you can gradually work your way up to a water fast. You can, you can do things like have broth or have coffee or tea, but just recognizing that you're your fasting will get, you know, you'll have a bigger bang for your buck the more you cannot rely on caloric foods during a fast. It gets hard, but it's hard to do that. So I recommend people just sort of ease their way into these types of behaviors. Um, I'd love to learn more about your your like six week program and and see if it resembles the one that I I do with people. I bet there's a lot we can learn from each other. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Training people, training people to think about hunger and knowing that it's not a tidal wave, but it's just like breakers. You know, they're just going to keep coming. You're going to have these waves of hunger and and it's your job to just learn to recognize them and move through them. Yeah. I love that. You, you explained it different levels of the hunger. Uh, like I've never heard before actually. So that was brilliant. And yeah, the way I explained is kind of similar when hunger is a hormone, hormones come in waves. If you could keep yourself occupied, uh, but then there's different types where, you know, maybe you shouldn't be fasting. You gotta, I, I have all my clients monitor their glucose and ketones because I want to see that trend as well. Like you said, I want to see glucose drop throughout the day and ketones rise. That's how I know they should continue the fast. And if I see the opposite, then I tell them to, to break the fast. So the way I teach uh, keto and fasting is very different than most keto people out there, I would say, because I don't teach keto and stay in ketosis and that's that's that. I teach keto flexing. We reset the hormones and metabolism, teach the body to burn fat, and then we start flexing. So I get I teach the twenty eight day keto adaptation, and then we pair intermittent fasting after that, and then we start flexing. So there's a there's an. So by flexing, do you mean like um, cyclical ketosis? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. My, I, I yeah. call it keto flexing, and I have four different ways to do it. But yeah, cyclical ketosis. Cool. Exactly. So yeah, I would love to learn more about your program. Is it is it already out? Not yet. I'm in the process of writing writing a book right now, so it's all going into the book. What's the name of your book, or do you have a name yet? I don't have a name yet. I've got a few options, but my my agent doesn't want to doesn't want me to share it yet. Share it yet? Well, I'm excited for it. Do you have an estimated date for a release? Um. Well, first we're working on the book deal, and then probably you know 2021 will be when it'll come out. Great. So I'll have you back when it comes out and we'll release the episode that week. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I can't wait to read it and support it any way I can. So use me as a awesome. resource. Okay. Yeah. We are running out of time. I have my rapid fire questions for you. Ready for it, Molly? Great. Let's do it. What is your favorite keto food? Mm, good question. Um, I, love, I love coconut products in general. They're so good. I'm actually about to make like a keto ice cream. Um, that's made of coconut cream instead of um, milk and cream. And it uses allulose, which is maybe one of the safer 
fake sugars. Um, mm-hmm. I don't do it very often, but I really, um, I'm really stoked. I mean, like I'm going to be fasting tomorrow, so I'm kind of going to enjoy my day today. And, um, it's got eggs and vanilla and salt and some allulose. And so you add some, some cocoa powder and some peanut butter, and it's like the best chocolate peanut butter ice cream. So I'm going to do that. And then I'll probably start my fast this evening and, and go through, um, go through till Sunday. Yeah. That sounds delicious and enjoy your mm-hmm. fast as well. What about yeah. non, non-keto food? What's your favorite non-keto food? Um, favorite food. I mean, I love vegetables. I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but I am, I like love, 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 love vegetables. It's like the, it's like the core of what I, I eat is green and non-starchy vegetables. So I like feel like there's something missing for my life if, if I'm not getting a lot of green vegetables in my diet. So the, car- the carnivore people are, their heads just exploded. You know, the carnivore people are all, um, probably dealing with serious dysbiosis and that's why they can't digest fiber. Um, I'm really not a believer in the carnivore diet long-term. I think that it's for people who are sick and have a hard time with digesting food, but it's just, there's really no evidence that suggests that it's a long-term healthy diet. Um, so that's, uh, that's my, that's my argument. And I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. You know, Molly, reason, you're awesome. you know the reason why, by the way, the reason why is that the carnivore diet is like mTOR all the time. Yeah. Like if, if, if there's anything anyone knows about health spam, it's that you have to keep um, growth in, in check. And so the way that you get mTOR stimulation is through protein and amino acid digestion. So eating a carnivore diet is actually inducing a lot of mTOR stimulation. Great if you're trying to build muscle, not great if you're trying to fight cancer. The other thing is like, you know, people are always talking about, you know, eliminating refined carbs and sugar that lowers insulin like growth factor. But, you know, people don't talk about mTOR enough. And it's like, how can you possibly be healthy stimulating mTOR all the time? Like, it doesn't make sense. I love it. I'm with you on that. And I agree. Um, there's, a, there's an art to mTOR autophagy and that, and that balance. And if you are doing carnivore, you're going to be spiking mTOR frequently. And we don't want that. I mean, bodybuilders, they age faster because they're always spiking mTOR. So it's something similar to that. And I also have a similar approach to you when it comes to the carnivore diet. I love it for some people short term, but I don't, I don't like it long term. I think the, the issue or the solution shouldn't be to just switch to carnivore long term. It should be to heal the gut, that dysbiosis that you talked yes. about. And, and then get yes. out of there. And I, and I interviewed Dr. Paul Saladino, who's brilliant, yeah. who's on my show. And, and uh, you know, we just agreed or disagreed to something. I, I know this. There's not one ancient culture in the history of this world that ever stuck with the same diet long term. Yeah, <laughs> it's called carniv- carnivore we're designed to We're designed to adapt. This is the core message I'm trying to get people to understand about health. It's like, it's not the, it's not the people who can tolerate the diet the best. It's the people who can adapt to the most types of diets. So that's right. true. At, that, that's true health. It's like, you give me different foods made of whole foods, by the way, and I can adapt and, and my body can be metabolically flexible enough to handle that. Like, that's real health. I'm with you 100%. Love it. Okay, let's mm-hmm. continue with the questions here. What is the best piece of advice you've ever heard? Mm, honestly, lately, um, I don't think it's like ever heard, but um, I guess there's probably two pieces of advice. One, one of the pieces of advice was if you don't believe in yourself, no one will. And that really got me, that gave me the motivation to go after my dreams without fear. Cause like I ha- actually had fear, but it was like, I could deal with the fear because I knew that I believed in who I was. Um, and then the second piece, but that's actually shifted a lot because I'm like really working on 
dissolving the ego and the narrative self right now. So that, that was helpful years ago, but probably not as necessary or useful now. Um, recently, I started doing a lot of meditation and discovered that there's actually something really powerful about um, feeling all of your feelings, like feel all of it and just be cool with whatever comes up. And I think a lot of people still repress and suppress and avoid feeling their feelings. And yet it's such a powerful tool for transformation and improving your health is to not let that emotional malware run on the back of your brain constantly. Um, and so meditate and just feel everything. And people think meditation is like quieting the mind and it's like going super Zen. Actually, a lot of meditation is actually feeling your whole body and feeling everything that comes up in your body and just like being aware of what you're feeling. I love it. Yeah. Right on. If that, I always tell people, if you feel like crying, let it out, never suppress it. So great, great advice right there. Yeah. What about, what about the worst piece of advice you've ever had? Oh, you know, this one guy I was working with years ago was like, you really don't want to associate yourself with biohackers because, you know, people think that biohacking means like going around the system and, and you're just going to look like this fringe doctor. And I was like, actually, that was really bad advice. Like being a biohacker is actually a giant like advantage to being like everybody else in the world who's dying from chronic diseases. And so I think um, just honestly, like listening to so many people's opinions instead of trusting my own sense of truth and intuition has been like, now that I'm in a place where I really do trust myself and I trust my intuition, like I'm starting to really tap into it more. And it's like, really listen to your gut and listen to your heart and really make decisions from like full body. Yes. And not from a place of fearing, so feeling, feeling, fearing you're going to be judged, worrying about so much social approval, comparing yourself to others. Like all of that is a big waste of your time. So just move on and just, just live. Like, this is your life. Like, live it and be joyful and at ease and at peace. Amen. What is the first thing you think of in the morning? Do I have time to meditate? <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Which today I didn't, but I was like, damn, I don't have time to meditate today. This is going to be rough. But um, the first thing I think about is, is meditation now. And it used to be um, my to-do list or coffee, but now it's fundamentally like, do I, do I, how much time do I have to meditate today? Awesome. What was your favorite? Like the more, the more, the more, the merrier, the better, the more I meditate, the better I become in everything. It's a yeah. super, it's like a super power. Is it self-guided or is it, um, or is it like a, yeah, it's self-guided. Okay. Awesome. What, what was your favorite TV show growing up? Um, when I was a little kid, it was probably Mr. Rogers, but when I was, uh, it's like a fifth grader, it was definitely the power Rangers for sure. <laughs> I loved nice. them. Nice. And, you know, then it was probably like Saved by the Bell or Full House. Yeah, I can relate to those. Okay, last question here is, what, um, if you had one superpower, Molly, what would it be? Ooh, on top of the ones I already have. <laughs> right. I would definitely choose either teleportation or time travel. It's hard to choose between those two. I worry about time travel because of screwing up reality. But teleportation, I mean, I travel a lot. And man, if I could just like think and be somewhere, I would, I would love that. I would own the world. Yeah, you would. Even more so than you are already doing. Oh, thanks. Where, where can my audience learn more about you? Well, right now, the best place to find me is probably Instagram um, at drmolly.co, D-R-M-O-L-L-Y.co. Um, I also have a website that I haven't updated in a long time. That's that same title, drmolly.co. But I'm in this process of building a new brand. Um, 
So soon you'll be able to go to thehealthcult.com and learn all about how to brainwash yourself into better health. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm all for brainwashing the right way. So that sounds wonderful. It's I'll like, wouldn't that be great to be able to just like brainwash yourself to do all the things that you knew you needed to do, but you didn't do because you just like, weren't, you know, you just couldn't get yourself to do them. Yeah. It's so needed too. So it's a lot yeah. of people, a lot of people that are tiptoeing their way to death and uh, you're, yep. let's wake them up. So awesome. I'll put, I'll put all those uh, links in the, the notes of the podcast. And um, Molly, this has been a lot of fun. I want to thank you for, for spending part of your day with me and the Keto Campers. I, I love the work that you're doing. I want to acknowledge you for show, showing up in this world authentically and putting yourself out there. You've been on a lot of shows. You've been out there in the world. You're traveling. You're spreading the message and the message needs to be heard. So I thank you. And I had a really great time chatting with you today. Thank you so much. It was so great being here. Keto campers, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I sure did. I listened to it a few times, in fact. I love studying the mitochondria and the cell health and cell health. It is so fascinating. And the more you understand it, it really puts you in the driver's seat. So please, if you haven't done so already, leave the show, the Keto Camp Podcast, a rating and review, and text this episode right now to a friend who is practicing fasting. Be sure to go check out Dr. Molly's work. I'll put her website and her social media in the notes of this podcast. Take a screenshot of this episode and tag me and Dr. Molly on Instagram. When I see it, I'll share it. My Instagram handle is at the Ben Azadi, and Dr. Molly's Instagram handle is at drmolly.co. I want to let you know about my favorite keto snack in the entire world, these Paleo Valley beef sticks. They are 100% grass-fed and grass-finished. Many beef sticks and beef jerky companies out there claim that their product is grass-fed, but usually they're finished on grains. Paleo Valley, they live up to my high quality of standards, and I personally love the original flavor. I can't get enough of that. My girlfriend loves the teriyaki flavor. If we're running errands, traveling on the road, this is the perfect sidekick to keep us on course with our keto results. We have an exclusive deal for keto campers to get 15% off your entire first order by heading over to paleovalley.com, entering the coupon code KKA to get 15% off. That is paleovalley.com, coupon code KKA. If you'd like to be a part of the Keto Camp Academy, head to ketocampacademy.com for a free seven-day trial. I'd love to health coach you and have you in this amazing community. Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. You will hear me on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.